This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. What's going on, boys and girls? Season three is here, and I am really excited to get this thing going for you guys. As always, we're answering your questions, and on today's top of the show, our question is as follows. Hey, Strength Agenda. I'm starting my undergrad in college in exercise science, and strength and conditioning is the field I am looking to get into. What are your suggestions on working my way into being a top coach at a big-time program? Now, first off, good on you for being in the right degree from the start. A while back, there were multiple news reports of strength and conditioning coaches who were the heads of high-profile programs, or they were the assistants at these same programs, and they had degrees in things like fine arts, communications, or public studies. I have no idea what a public studies degree is, but that's besides the point. There's nothing wrong with these degrees, but I was just kind of shocked that in order to you know, be in charge of the health and well-being of your school's top athletes, a degree in exercise science or something related to that is not required. But I digress. Today's guest, Zach Talenter, and I talk about each of our journeys through the strength and conditioning world and how that even though we ended up at different points, me having my own facility and working with sports teams as a contractor versus him working at Texas A&M with some of the top athletes in the country, the path and the answer is always the same for both of us. Say yes to every opportunity. I don't want to spoil the show, but if we had said no more times than yes, the chances of us being where we are would not be the case. I had to plan to go through the rigors of the college strength and conditioning world like Zach did, but I opted out of that and wanted to try something a little bit different. I decided instead to go to the best of the best in the field, which at least what I considered the best of the best, and I wanted to see where it would take me. Now, I know I talked about this before, so I don't want to bore you to death, but my plans were to learn from every aspect of the fitness industry and apply what I like to my model and then move on to the next thing. Brian Oldfield, the late great American record-setting shot putter of the 70s and the 80s, once said, no human is completely worthless. They can always serve as a bad example. I took this to heart and built my arsenal of tools from every experience. To selling memberships at an LA Fitness, to counting reps for a soccer mom at a spa, to having clients who were brothers race in a parking lot at night with an unloaded sled because they, quote, wanted to have fun with their training. And to now being able to stand on the side of the national stage while my lifters compete with some of the best in the country, some even in the world. There was not an opportunity that I was never able to learn from. So to wrap this up and get on with the show, the answer is if you are serious about becoming a strength coach, say yes to every opportunity that presents itself. No matter how insignificant the task seems, you may learn something that's the building block of your training model. Hell, you may even make a connection that years down the road is going to open doors for you just because you maintained a solid friendship all these years. At the start of the journey, all the hustling and hard work is what's going to get you from point A to point B. But to move on to point C, you're going to have to rely on a combination of your experiences plus your relationships developed and maintained that will open a bigger and better door for you. So let's keep these questions rolling. Message us on Instagram, Facebook, or myself personally, and let's get season three ready to go. Now, give me two claps and a Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! Today, I have Coach Zach Tellender. If you follow his YouTube channel, then you know exactly who he is. And if you don't follow his YouTube channel, then I don't know who you are. Um, you, I met him. He was a CrossFitter when I first met him. He's a friend of uh, my former business partner. Came into Big Shoulders CrossFit a couple times. Uh, we worked out together. He came to the Tarakti seminar. Just the one word I would use to describe Zach is energy. And I'm really excited to have him on here because he has done some pretty cool stuff. Um, since we first met up until this point. So, Zach, welcome to the show, my man. Tom, it's an absolute pleasure, my man. Energy, that's what I'm going to bring today. Dude, that's that's all I think of. Even the guys, so the last time you came to the gym, that was all the guys that were like, that guy is energetic. I was like, yeah. I was like, every time I've met him, he's been the exact same, or I've seen him, he's been the exact same way. So that's just the one word I would use to describe you. But I feel like there's not enough of that these days, especially with people that are trying to get into you know, being a weightlifting coach or a full-time weightlifting coach or anything like that. Like, um, I was very guilty of this at the start. Like I was just all about the mundane and all that stuff. And I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I just feel like you just dove in head first and you're like, I don't care exactly how this is going to work out. All I know is it's going to work out and I'm going to be enthusiastic about it the entire way. 
And that's the one thing that's been really cool about watching, you know, your journey and stuff like that up until this point is just you've been enthusiastic, you've been passionate, you've been energetic. And I feel like sometimes it's really hard to find that in somebody that's especially up and coming. Like they just kind of want to lay low until they have something to you know, shout about, and you're just not that way. Like, you're like, look, I want to make a difference. I want to help. I want to do this. So I'm just, I'm pumped, dude. This yeah. is, is going to be a good one. Well, I think, I think, you know, there's, there's definitely a stigma, uh, around being too energetic. Right. Uh, like, you know, there's, there's one lifter in particular. That yeah. Kind of we're just going to say them. it's John North. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I mean, but, but at the same yeah. time, like energy and excitement, like, if you can't get excited sometimes with, with your friends, if you can't push each other, nope. you're not creating the best possible environment. However, there is like people don't see, you know, like right now I'm doing double sessions. They don't see the, the mundane. No, they don't see. No, absolutely. Um, but if, if I get the opportunity and, and people are pushing me and I'm pushing them, I'm going to vibe off the, the, Atmos- the yeah. atmosphere, the, the energy in the room. So I think there's definitely a balance, but I yeah. like to tip towards more of the juice side. I oh, like absolutely. the juice. I mean, have you ever, have you ever been to a meet where uh, Dane Miller coaches? No. Uh, no the I guy that runs garage strength. Um, I wouldn't say I mod like I, I, him and I are very similar personality wise. Um, very tough on our athletes, stuff like that. Um, and when I started coaching at meets and stuff like that, people were like getting on me about being excited about yelling. Like I'd yell at refs, I'd yell at loader. Like it didn't matter. I was just yelling. Um, and cause I'm, I just get jacked up coaching my lifters. I get more jacked up coaching my lifters than I did when I, lifted. I agree with, yeah, I agree and, with that for sure. And then, and then I went to a couple my first couple of national meets as a coach and I was watching Dane Miller and I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one. Like if you see Dane, like his, his, <laughs> he's like his catchphrase is like, let's go. And I don't know how many times hook grip has posted a slow-mo of him just jumping straight up in the air, yelling, let's go. Like he's a former thrower. So he gets some crazy hops when he jumps, but yeah, I, I feel like in terms of coaching nowadays, it's emotion is becoming a good thing. Um, when I first got into weightlifting and competing, it was all the guys like the older guys in track suits and, you know, hands behind your backs, very quiet, like not a lot was said, like it was very business-like. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, whether it's CrossFit that got involved or whatever got, like the just social media, whatever, I feel like the tide is changing a little bit and you just, you're seeing more emotion out of the coaches. And I think that helps the lifters do better. Like they want a coach that's going to get excited for something that they've accomplished. And like watching Dane, Dane is the person I'm always going to. Yeah, I got to check him out, man. Oh, he's he's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, we did a podcast with him in the first season. Um, he's he's one of those weird um, mixes of he's the only he's one of the very few people in the United States to compete in you know this at the senior national level in both track and field and weightlifting in the same year. Oh wow! Uh, and so I mean, he's just that kind of an athlete. Like he yeah. was a he was a thrower at Penn State. Um, I believe he was an All-American at Penn State or something like that. Um, trained up with Anatoly Bondarchuk up in Canada for a little bit. Came back, like competed, you know, tried making a U.S. team in the shot, which is just ridiculous unless you're throwing over 70 feet on a consistent basis. Right. And then that same year, you know, he just picked up weightlifting. And, you know, he was just yeah, – his technique wasn't the greatest, but he's snatching 135, 140 like it's nothing and clean yeah. and jerking 175. Like it was just – he was just one of those really good athletes, and that's carried over that energy and that enthusiasm, as, you know, to being a, a coach now. And it's really cool to watch. Yeah. So give us a little bit of background on yourself because until you posted – I think it was yesterday or the day before. Um, over the weekend, you posted something about your dad, the sports writer. Oh, right. Like, so funny story how this all come out. I love your dad's articles. Um, for those who don't know, you know Zach's dad is Rick Talender, uh, Chicago Sun Times, right? Yep, Sun Times. Sun Times, a uh, sports writer, and I always just liked his stuff that he put out there. Uh, just great, uh, great articles, great content. Just a very no nonsense writer, and he's probably one of the best in the area, if not the best, in my opinion. And then you posted something about like. I think there were reviews. Yeah, he he won a he won uh, a bunch of awards for Illinois. Yeah, uh, it's not even it wasn't even sports writers. It was Illinois Media Association. That's awesome. So he won a bunch of awards, but yeah. And then you were yeah, like proud he, to be a talenter, and I was like, holy crap! I totally forgot that that was your yeah. dad. No, I I'll be lucky to be you know to have you know fifty percent of the total following that my father has. I mean, yeah. he's He's pretty, he's pretty gargantuan in that world. That's awesome. But, but as far as my, my, uh, my kind of beginning into, into weightlifting and all that starts, it, it definitely starts with him. He was a, uh, 
he was an all-conference cornerback at uh, Northwestern University. Nice. Uh, he played football, and uh, then he was drafted to the, by the key, uh, sorry by the Chiefs, and uh, it ended up kind of you know Big Ten football. There was definitely a system, so it, you know when he went into to the pros, it became a lot of one-on-one stuff, and he just couldn't couldn't hang with yeah. with these guys, which makes sense. Um, but after that, he started writing kind of um like he had he had journal entries that he submitted to you know on his experience as an athlete that he submitted to i think it was a newspaper or magazine and then and then someone basically came up to him and said you should be a writer and um from there he just became this massive sports writer but basically the way i fall into it uh i don't think so i think yeah, I don't think so. He's just, you know, he's always been a very literary person. I mean, even in college, he would read books and, nice. and all that. Uh, but where I fall into this is when I grew up, I played every sport under the sun. Yeah. So I I was a swimmer, diver. Uh, I did karate. I did football, basketball, baseball. I did everything that I possibly could, track and field. And then um, I ended up graduating from high school and and. and uh, getting a pretty nice scholarship to the University of Vermont for lacrosse. When I graduated from lacrosse, I felt burnt out on the sport. Yeah. So going pro was an option or trying out at least, but I didn't want to do that. Uh, there is professional lacrosse. It's very – Yeah, I was going to say, do they have like a draft or anything like that? Or they is it do, just kind of – They okay. do have a draft, but you can try out. It's it's very low-key. Gotcha. Um these guys are not full-time lacrosse players, if that, no, you know. They, yeah, they, no, the uh, Chicago Machine, um, when they opened the franchise, I was in high school, I still, I, I believe, or something like that. I might have been in yeah. college. And a couple of the guys that were on the machine, um, they opened a Velocity, or they were helping run a Velocity Sports Performance in Warrenville, which I actually interned at. Yeah. And that, that was their job. Like, yeah. they were, they were they, like, they and they said that all the time. They're like, my hobby is lacrosse. Right. My job is a sports performance coach. And so, so that that was that was not really what I wanted to do, but yeah. I had this sense of like that I wasn't um, fully optimizing my training. So like I right. still had something in me, and what I, I I wanted to find that team atmosphere where mm-hmm. because you know in college I was forced to train with my teammates and it was awesome. We would push each other and we would PR and we would celebrate and the energy was there. And I could not possibly do that if I just went to a rec center. I didn't know what I was doing. So I started doing CrossFit and I loved it. Um, I loved every moment of it. And I was working in advertising at the time and I would watch you know, YouTube videos nonstop in, during work. And then I would sprint to the train to get home so I could get to the gym early and practice my lifts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening was I just liked it so much that I got my level one, and that was in early, early 2013. Mm-hmm. Then I was one of the lucky ones to get a uh, a full time job. Yeah. Uh, as a as a CrossFit coach, which is a very rare thing, getting yeah. a full time. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was crazy. I was I was getting paid a salary to be a CrossFit coach. Yeah, that's awesome. So I started to kind of branch off into wanting to compete in Olympic weightlifting, got my USAW level one. Uh, Then I opened up a barbell club at the CrossFit gym, and then I got burnt out on CrossFit. Yeah. So I went back to strength and conditioning in the collegiate field. Mm -hmm. That's where I interned at university, or sorry, Northwestern University, my dad's alma mater. Um, and I was there for eight months. I worked for free from six in the morning till 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., didn't matter. I was just mm-hmm. there working with teams nonstop, learning as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Then I ended up getting a paid job at Texas A&M. It was like a, it's an apprenticeship, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then along the way, I got a ton more, you know, uh, certifications, all that good stuff. Yeah. And, and then I started to focus uh, after the job at Texas A&M. You know, I, I just picked up a personal training job. Yeah. Uh, and someone said, you know, you should make YouTube videos. And this is where things get really interesting for me because uh, I was trying to make YouTube videos in the first place as like uh, an easy way to make money or an easy, yeah, or like yeah. a fun way to make money. Right. And that was a very rude awakening. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back into CrossFit. That's kind of hip right now. Like I'm going <laughs> to stop weightlifting. I, I didn't want to compete really anymore. And... Uh, 
I started doing like CrossFit vlogs. Now you can't find these on YouTube anywhere uh, because I'm totally ashamed of them. But I posted them. I posted uh, one to Reddit CrossFit. And this guy says to me, he's like, you know, he comments. He has this long page long essay. He's like, first off, what's your story? Like, all I have here is you waking up saying, hey, guys, I'm doing this for training and then going and training. Like, one, you're not particularly good looking. Two, you're not you're not that good at CrossFit. And three, you don't have like a cornerstone. You don't have a goal that we can care about. And I first off, I was like, you know, screw you, dude. I hate you because you're on the Internet and you're telling me off. And then after a a couple moments of saying, screw this, dude, uh, I turned around and said, you know what? Maybe he has a point. Like, yeah. what do I have that right. someone else doesn't? And I'll tell you exactly what I had. And it was the the one issue that I see CrossFitters around the entire United States. Every single CrossFit gym I've been to was that they don't pull themselves under the bar in the snatch. Yeah. Is that they're so focused on uh, triple extension and not using the arms that they f- don't get to pull themselves under the bar. And so all yes. I did was point that out in a YouTube video and it blew up. And my yeah. channel blew up. And I said, well, you know what? Now I know I have a lot of more stuff up here yeah. in my brain that I want to share with people. Mm-hmm. And that's how my YouTube channel has exploded. That's how, you know, I've uh, now, like I'm doing seminars. I've got athletes that I program for, all yeah. of this stuff. And it came, people don't know this about me, uh, and I haven't really shared it until now, but it came from someone telling me uh, what you're doing is stupid. <laughs> right, like so... <laughs> It's really funny that you mentioned this. That was all, not exactly, but that's very similar to how the strength agenda started. So, like, the strength agenda originally was just a website. That's all it was. And what it, it had come from, um, I believe it's still a site now. I, I honestly stopped paying attention to it. But Lift Big, Eat Big. Um, when I first got into MDUSA, like, Glenn took a look at me and was like, uh, no, you're going to be a super. Cause like when yeah. I was, when I was getting recruited, he was like, either you're going to be a one Oh five or a super. Like I'd have to take a look at your first. I said, cause I, he asked how much I weighed. And at the time I was like, I'm like two sixty. He goes, okay. He goes, you might make a one Oh five work. And then I got to, M, uh, not MDSA Cal strength. And he, when I, as soon as I got, like I got in his car, he looked at me, he goes, no, you're a super. He goes, start eating. Like just, I don't care how you do it. Just start eating. You need to get over 300 pounds as fast as possible. And I literally just started Googling like, eating food for gaining weight or whatever. Lifting yeah. Eat Big was one of the first things that popped up. And I started like going through their website and stuff like that, trying to find articles and information and stuff like that to, 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 to bulk up like in a good way. And I couldn't find anything. So yeah. it was just a ton of like trial and error and, you know, drinking, you know, four or five gigantic shakes a day and all this stuff. And then when we moved to South Carolina, I just remember sitting, you know, with my wife, we uh, uh, we lived in South Carolina. We had an apartment with a pool, and we used to go sit by a uh, by the pool during her lunch break because she worked from home. And we were just talking one day, and that's literally it came out of like I had messaged um, Lift Big Eat Big, and I'm like, look, like you did, like like you have a great thing here. I thought this was this, but you were in the other direction or whatever. And 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 the, the response essentially was like, well, if you don't like it, like do it better, kind of a deal. Yeah. And Beth and I were like. Well, yeah, we're, why don't we just do it better? So then the strength agenda, like we literally, it just started out posting recipes, like just yeah, crock yeah. pot meals and stuff like that, that we posted. And then it started, we put it training articles and then I would do these like interview things and stuff like that with different people. And it just kind of evolved into what it is today. But it's really, right. it's really interesting when you hear somebody else say, like, I was told like, yeah, what you're, what you're doing is stupid. And you're like, well, then why don't I just do it better? Or I want, yeah. like, and, it, and it just it pivots you into that direction. It's just Absolutely. really cool to hear like stories like that. So, with Northwest, because I met you when you were at Northwestern. Um, that was when I, you know, started, you know, talking yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's when um, the Tarakti seminar was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So explain, explain, like, because I know one thing that you and I kind of connected on right off the bat was you wanted to incorporate as much of the Olympic lifts as possible into strength and conditioning. Yeah. And I know that we, that was one of our things is there's some strength coaches that are all for it. And there are some strength coaches that are like completely against it. It's taboo. And there's not a ton in the middle. So here, yeah, I, I will, yeah, I finish your question. No, no, no. I, I just go ahead. I just, I wanted to yeah. know a, where you fell and why do you think there's that, that there is that disconnect uh, one way or the or one way there's like the disconnect or there's like the over, over emphasis on the other end. 
Well, I think I'll, I'll put it super bluntly. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been a, and this may fall on USAW's lap. It may fall on someone else's, but there hasn't been a process that is translatable to the sports world where we can get uh, a, the best of both worlds. So this is what happens. We You have a lot of strength coaches who uh, basically aren't comfortable teaching uh, you know, they might be comfortable teaching these lifts to a small group, but when you have a football team, when you have a basketball team, you have to co- you have to teach these things to them, and you only have a small time frame to do so. Mm-hmm. And then, when you don't feel that comfort, you all of a sudden you can think you suddenly think, well, why am I worried about doing this if it's not even in their sport? Right. Like, why am I worried about teaching the clean if these guys are basketball players? Mm-hmm. And and you kind of can get into this false. Uh, like false narrative, if you will, that all of a sudden you're like, well, why are we training a sport that we don't even use? Like weightlifting should be for weightlifters. It's a sport, right? right? Like, and, and then you can kind of legitimize not having the ability to, to coach a large group how to lift. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the discussion ends up going. I mean, I, trust me, Tom, I've been around so many coaches and it always ends up being the same thing it's weightlifting is a sport why would we try to teach another sport to another sport like right. and and we would we would much rather be teaching them to do something that's more relatable and more specific to their sport mm-hmm. and this is this is my my comeback to that is if you want to do something specific to your sport let's just use weighted basketballs and have them do layups with weighted basketballs right. that's spe- specificity yeah as soon as they step into the weight room they're no longer specific. Right. That's that's not the purpose of the weight room is to be yeah. specific to your sport. And I think that's the biggest misinterpretation or the biggest false – like I was saying before, you know, you could say that with anything. Uh, okay, so obviously the, the power snatch um, doesn't tra- – or, or it's not specific to shooting a jump shot. Okay, that's fine. Um, but neither is the squat then. Yeah. Then neither, neither, is, neither are, are these movements that are somewhat easier. Or the jammer so, press. Or anything, you know. So, so what it t- comes down to, Tom, is is this: if you can teach the snatch with a barbell properly, mm-hmm. you can one year from now teach the snatch with sixty kilos or or a hundred kilos or whatever. That's called progression. That's called linear. That's called periodization. Yeah. Just because you won't have kids snatching, you know, a hundred kilos with perfect technique on their first day mm-hmm. doesn't mean you should be scared of it entirely. Right, right. Whereas if you teach someone to squat, if they're generally strong, they're going to squat pretty heavy within the first week. Yeah. You know, so that's what we find is like you find people who can't teach um, or they can, but it's just a barbell. So, so my solution, and I've said this in one of my YouTube videos and I, this is probably my most overlooked YouTube video. Yeah. It's called Beyond Triple Extension, The Importance of Olympic Weightlifting. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and this, is, this was overlooked, and I, I wish – I almost made it too early in my career. But essentially what you should be doing is teaching the lifts and kind of having fun with them. Like mm-hmm. using the snatch uh, overhead squat. You could end up doing a full snatch. You could end up doing a clean, a full clean, a split jerk. Start with these movements as – kind of your warm-up or yeah. your primer if you will yeah your expl- call it whatever you want to call it but treat it like it's fun like yeah. ha- get the energy up and have guys use lightweight be like yeah. guys i don't care what the weight is because so, guess what after this we're squatting maximally or whatever yeah yeah so you it's, know it's really funny that you mentioned that because that's actually my introduction to the olympic lifts was it was fun um i was a thrower in college um, but i was at a division three school so we didn't have like a strength and conditioning program Uh, We were kind of left to our own devices. And me and one of the guys that were there at the school, um, we're, you know, multiple time All-Americans and stuff like that. And the head athletic trainer um, just kind of took us under his wing from freshman year on. Like he saw us, he saw that we were, you know, not your typical football players. And he just kind of took us under his wing, started teaching us cleans and snatches and stuff like that. Um, And trust me, it was very ugly. But one thing that he did to make it fun was it was always our first movement that he did or that we did. And he had a tendo unit. And yeah, he, would, he, yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. would hook the tendo unit up to it. And literally it would be like for snatches, it'd be, you know, um, 95 to, you know, whatever, like it'd be 25s or 35s on the bar. I, I don't think we ever got to, you know, 45s cause we couldn't do it. Right. Um, and it would be from like, we had like low blocks. So the bar would just be sitting right below the knee 
and he literally, it would be like 10 sets to get your highest peak velocity. And, you know, it, he made it a competition. And it was like, we had tallies on the board and stuff like that. And then the other throwers started getting involved in it to do it too and all that. And we had, like, different divisions. Like, we had, you know, we called it, you know, the the minnows and sharks. Like, the sharks got to do the 35-pound plates in 10 sets to move it as fast as you possibly can from, the you know, the blocks to the yep. overhead. Yep. And then the minnows had to do it with the 95 and, you know, the 25-pound plates and stuff like yep. that. But that was, like, my first introduction to the lifts. And I it's that's awesome that you said that because I definitely think – if more coaches implemented stuff like that, like that's literally what these kids are at the school for. They are there to compete, make everything a competition. And if it's something like that's very technically complex, complex, like the snatch, like why not incorporate stuff like that? So it's just, it's really cool that you mentioned that because that's literally how that was my first exposure to the snatch was you had 10 sets and it was whoever got the highest peak velocity won that day. And me and my one buddy were super competitive and everything. Like, we would go to the cafeteria to see who could eat their meal the fastest. Like, we were that <laughs> super competitive with each other. So yeah. just stuff like that is that's, that's awesome to hear that there are more opinions and, and, and ideas and thoughts out there like that in this training yeah, condition. It, it, it's, you know, Tom, but also, like, okay, so where does it end, though? This is the real discussion is, like, do you teach them the full clean? Do you teach them the full snatch? Do you teach them the split jerk? Whatever. And what I found is like, that's where stuff gets a little bit more in, intense, mm-hmm. right? So what I found in, in, in uh, the strength and conditioning world is that because USAW doesn't really talk about deliberate hip contact or how to uh, use the hips or, or how to explode using the legs, like it's, and I'm not going to point at, at the USAW because it's not their job entirely to... Yeah. To, to, to formulate this. But what I've seen is that a lot of coaches or athletes, they don't really know how to the tempo of the pull. So they right, don't know. Right. And they do understand. And some of them understand that, okay, the second pull is faster and all these things, but they don't come off the hips. Yeah. So that's where, where Tarakti like that, the Ukrainian style, it's like yeah. uh, all low hang stuff yep, yep. and it's all very hip contact based, but the hip contact comes with, uh, knee extension mm-hmm. so it's like we consider hip contact to be like oh we're just extending at the hips yep but he looks at hip contact as a confluence of perfect knee extension right right and so so that's that was a concept to me that really blew my mind and, and what yeah. i was realizing was all we had to do was get our lifters to just like stand up tall go below the knees use the legs have it come off the hips and catch yeah and now you now you've got them power snatching and if they're comfortable with just the barbell doing a full snatch Mm -hmm. then you have them do it you know a couple hundred times over the course of three four months now let's add on 10 kilos that's all i'm asking yeah and and you can get your load in other ways trust me you're gonna deadlift you're gonna back squat you're gonna bench press you're gonna strict press you're gonna do all that good stuff but when we're doing this technical stuff, just ease off yeah. and, and you're still going to get good results. And what's going to happen is, oh, you know, six months later, you'll be able to have a guy full snatching and it will look good and yeah. it will, yeah. and it will benefit his sports performance. But that takes a lot of, uh, what's the word? Discipline. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think, Adding in that competitive aspect yeah. is awesome. But here's how I add in the c- competitive aspect is who can make it look the prettiest. Right, right. That's Style to points. Me, yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's like who's technically the best today. Yeah. And and if – because, you know, if you're lifting big weight, like how awkward is it when someone power cleans with a massive starfish legs yeah. and, and you're kind of there like, yeah, I mean that was okay, but it looked disgusting. Yes. The form was horrible. Like I would – you know – that's uh, to me another aspect of training is like who can look the best today in their power cleans. Yeah, that's that, you know. So first thing, I know you and I are in a huge agreement with this. Anybody who has a chance to take Tarakti's seminar, um, do it. No questions asked. Pay whatever he's charging, um, yeah. because to this day it is still the best weightlifting seminar I've gone to. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's for sure. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it's just. Hands down. And then secondly, um, your your whole thing reminds me of one of my lifters tagged me in it because I'm saying this all the time. United Lifters just posted a thing um, that it was like a picture of Ron Burgundy holding a cup of coffee. And it, the caption was like, that was, you know, it was better. 
but not good kind of a deal. And that's yeah. always what I'm saying. I'm like, that wasn't terrible. I in always say better. Yeah. I always say better. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. my favorite. Yeah. yeah. It's very rare that I, like, I'll say good in the gym unless you're like a brand new person lifting with a PVC pipe because, you know, it's really hard to screw up a PVC pipe. But yeah. the other lifters in the gym, they're always constantly like, they, they're, they're just like starving for that. That was a really good looking lift. Like, I'll just be like, I was, that wasn't terrible. Like, nice job. No, let's, let's <laughs> fix this kind of a deal. And so that's all yeah. that reminded me of. So now do you think with these strength coaches and stuff like that, do you think it has to do a lot with ego? Like, especially the ones that 100%, are so, 100%, Tom, especially I'll, the I'll ones that right are, there. Yeah. Especially yeah. the ones that are deeply rooted in their system. The ones that have been well, there for years and years and years. They're like, well, it's worked. Um, and, but what, because uh, here's my issue that I've had is talking to some strength coaches, they like to easily forget that they have just been given, you know, the upper, you know, three, two percent of athletes, especially these big college football programs. Well, you are getting just some actual absolute freaks that walk through the door and like you could pretty much throw anything at them and they're going to get better if they have no idea what they're doing just based on their athletic potential alone. And I feel like a lot of coaches fall into like this, you know, the, 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 this false sense of security because they're like, well, my systems work for years. It's like, right. Go to like an NAIA program or a mid, you know, a mid-level program and stuff like that and implement the same tactics and see if it still works. Like I, I that's my thing that I'm always, um, strength and conditioning is so weird, Tom, yeah. because you can have teams with the best record in, in whatever. And, and you know, they could ha- have horrible squat technique. It's yeah. just so weird like that. It doesn't, you know, the, the, one of the big things in strength and conditioning that they were worried about was that they can't, there's no real metric to determine good, uh, like, good standing in, in, in your job. Yeah. So like, as it, you know, if a team goes, you know, whatever sub 500 in a season, who's the first person to go? It's, well, it's either going to be one of the coaches, the assistant coaches could be strength conditioning, but it has to do with their record. Yeah. Right. But where is that for the strength and conditioning coach? How do we know that a strength and conditioning coach is doing well? Are we going to look at injuries? Because that's, I don't think that's technically fair. Are we going to look right. at, Uh, Are we going to look at record? Well, again, I don't think that's technically fair because you're putting too much on strength. It's it's a weird, weird uh, area of special uh, of specialty to to have a coach. So what I would say, especially on the ego thing, is you know in football and in a lot of these sports, it's all about the culture that you create and the relationship that you have with your head coach. Right. It's everything. It's it's one hundred percent everything. Now, um, if there's some toxicity in there, then then it's going to get sorted out either by firing or moving or whatever. But as far as like tactics go for implementing certain things into your program, well, yeah, I think it de- a lot of it depends on the the uh, the ego because again, if you're not comfortable teaching a, a clean where you from the floor, you get the bar off the high thigh and you have someone catch in the front rack. If you're not comfortable and you think that that is too damaging on the wrists or too damaging on the elbows or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're going to find a way uh, or you're let – me, let me put it this way. Either you're not comfortable in it or you don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. And far more people can argue that they're not – or far more people are uncomfortable doing it. So – when you say that I'm, it's a big ego check, by yeah. the way, to say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Right. So instead, you see a lot of coaches just be like, why would I do something that's not specific to the sport? Right. Rather than being like, hey, I suck at this. I would like to implement it. And I think, you know, I don't want to generalize an entire population of coaches. Mm-hmm. There are tremendous strength coaches out there guys that i follow on instagram i mean they're they're doing everything they're learning they're great people um but i think that they're you know there's always bad eggs oh yeah absolutely. Um, just like with weightlifting coaches yeah the same thing so now you know moving forward to the yep. positive side of things what in all your time being around these different strength and conditioning programs because i feel like a school like texas a&m and a school like northwestern are com- kind of opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of the demographic that they deal with right. the competitiveness yeah. stuff like that and probably just things you learn what have you been able to take away from being in the strength and conditioning field that has like positively impacted what you're doing now 
There, well, okay. In my own particular experience, entitlement is the enemy. Yes. Number one. Oh God, yes. So, especially in that field, there are limited amounts of jobs, and yep. um, it's not always the best thing to to you know to be cocky about your knowledge. And right. that's something that I'll admit that I wasn't the best at. Um, right. You know, if you know me, I'm a pretty opinionated person. Um, well, you know I, what you to, know. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like it didn't necessarily fit in and that's not anyone's fault but mine. Right. Um, that That is what I believe is is the most that, – that's what I've taken away um, almost completely. Outside of that, it's – it's just like any other job or space. Um, it's important to be a good person. Right. It's like to all of the foundational things, if they're set in line, the meat and potatoes, if you will, mm-hmm. if they're good, if your relationship with all the people are good, if there's no back, there's no talking behind people's back, everything else is good. Awesome. Yeah. And so that's that's for sure the the biggest thing that I've learned. Good deal. So what's next for you? Like I know like right now you're 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 coaching and you just got back from Europe. You went and did the cool little trip over in Europe. Yeah. I was just watching the video from uh, uh, you hanging out with Clarence Kennedy and forcing him to drink a beer. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> we could talk about that. Oh, yeah. Like so so yeah, just what's next for you? Well, so I mean, it's been awesome. I've been super inundated with programming and learning more about myself and how to program for others and Mm -hmm. i've built this kind of team atmosphere with my guys and they're loving it and i'm loving it and that's been so great it's all remote which you know is not ideal for me i'm a super control freak i want to get my hands on you and make you move the way that i want to make you move yeah right but i don't want and and i can't technically do that through the phone so uh that's been awesome the seminar stuff was amazing. You know, I think that that is where I shine the most is, oh, yeah. is, uh, is speaking for longer periods of time and really getting yeah. to know people and, and getting, again, you know, like getting with them and, and physically being able to move them in the proper positions and having them train hard. Um, but what's next for me is... I have a couple more seminars. I know this isn't plug time, which I'll end up doing later. Plug away. Uh, but, but but I I do have I do have some seminars coming up. Um, one of them is going to be in Washington D.C. and then hopefully another one in Iowa. Nice. I'm not sure yet. Um, but you know those have been, that's something I can't wait to get started on. Yeah. Outside of that, um, I'm really going to keep doing the same thing, man. Yeah. I can't. I've realized that. I sometimes get excited and I want to expand before I'm ready. Yeah. And I just want to stay good at the small stuff that I'm good at and currently. That's, you know what, that's something that I wish more, I don't even want to say like up and coming, just people that want to get into business for themselves. Like you see these people that start out and they're like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do all these little things. And it's like, you got to grow into stuff. Like stick to your, like you put it, your meat and potatoes. Really refine that skill and then go from there. Because that's the thing too, is like, you don't have to do everything. Like there's just, there's certain, like, like that was the, you know, the one thing I learned, um, the first time I opened a CrossFit, I thought I had to do everything and it became a detriment. Like I was, you know, burning out way faster than I ever anticipated. So, you know, the strength agenda was a nice little restart for me because I literally, I talked to Mike, uh, Mike Zella and I said, look, run it how you want. I do not care. I said, the only thing I ask is, you know, don't make any huge purchases without talking to me. Don't get kids hurt and don't do anything that like you would like cringe at watching on a YouTube or an Instagram video. And you know what I gave, like it was the first time in my life I gave complete control of something to somebody else. And the program is flourishing. We have kids that are coming in from word of mouth. Kids are staying injury-free through entire seasons, which for some of these kids is, you know, you know how it is working with younger athletes. That can be near impossible. And we have athletes that, you know, they get, when they get hurt, it's because they're playing like a pickup basketball game when they should have been at home resting or doing homework or something like that. And then they roll their ankle doing that. But for the most part, all the training that they've been doing under Mike. And and so it's really good to hear somebody, you know, coming up saying like, I'm going to stick to what I'm good at and, you know, see where the wind takes me. Like that's just... If there's just one yeah, it, piece of advice. It's like, just do that. <laughs> just do that and stick to what you're good at. Hey, hey, your YouTube videos are good. Your 
you know your programming is is doing well your all these things are doing well it's like oh you might as well open up a massive gym yeah. and like uh take on a couple more projects and then all of a sudden your gym goes bankrupt and then all of a sudden your youtube channel isn't doing well but yeah. it used to do well that's that's what i'm you know that that is you know in working in crossfit it is a tough business yes. and opening up a space where you have to compete and you have to be like, and all your job is to get people in the door. Yeah. Like that's something I'm just not interested in. Right. And for most people, that's the next step when they kind of solidify themselves, whether, whether it's through social media or whatever, mm-hmm. that's the next step. I am not anywhere near that ready yeah. to take that on. I would like to take on a, you know, if someone wants me as a coach, I would like to, I, I think that would be cool to take on their coaching responsibilities or whatever, but I just don't want to have ownership over a small business so right, that it can right. fail. You know yeah. what I mean? No, so. and that's a, yeah. That's that's also that's also good to know where your boundaries lie because, um, yeah, that was the one saying thing. no, like saying oh, no God. is is huge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been amazing <laughs> to be able to start. Like there are flat out just people that'll reach out to me for programming things, and they're like, I need to do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't do that. And instead of square peg around holding it, I'm like, you know what? Here's who I think you should reach out to. Like, yeah, super, I'm, I'm not doing that. Yes. Super, uh, respectfully. No. Yes, exactly. And it's like, yeah, it's not a complete dickheadish. Like, I don't, no. I don't want to, I don't want to work with you. I literally will yep. say, look, I know what I'm good at. I'm not confident in my abilities to get done what you want done. Here are some people that I think, you know, would be a better fit for you. And yep. then you just kind of, you know, see where that takes them. And that's the other thing too, is like, it, it, I think one thing with a lot of, you know, people that either coach or run a business or stuff like that, your way may not just work for people. Like there have been plenty of people who will be with us, you know, either whether it's at the gym or remotely and stuff like that for, you know, a month, two months, three months. And it just, it's not what they want. They, right. they, they want like, you know, something more or different. And I am okay with that. Like and my biggest thing when people sign up and I'll be like, just communicate with me. If this isn't what you're, you expected or this isn't what you're looking for or I'm not your cup of tea, I have no issue with that. Just don't ghost me. Just yeah. have a conversation. Be like, I didn't want this. Uh, I don't think this is what I want anymore. I'd like to move on. Good yeah. deal. Yeah. You need yeah. anything, you let me know. Um, so, yeah. So, l- what about you personally? We're talking about like your business side of stuff, like your coaching yeah. and your YouTube and all that stuff. Like, are you competing anywhere? I know you're, yeah, you're, so, you're doing the double sessions, which I think you're psychotic for doing. But uh, like, w- what are you doing personally? So I am putting myself through like the best possible training that I po- that I can mm-hmm. because I realize that I have the time and that I want to see what I'm capable of. For sure. And I re- and I want to really see what I'm capable yeah. of. Now. That I'm looking for a 295 total, which is d- definitely doable, and then obviously a 300 total. I think that's the big the the big barrier, um, and I think both of those are doable. Mm-hmm. But right now, so so here's and, and that's by the way, that's nowhere near nationally competitive, and I don't care really. Um, <laughs> this is this <laughs> I'm much more. I'm a much better coach than I am an athlete, and I've always known that. What do you mean? Um, at least your weight class isn't in your Instagram handle or your bio. <laughs> I, it might be. I don't know. I'm look it up right I don't now think it is. Talking. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it is anymore. It's it's more my coaching stuff. There you go. But uh, uh, so basically, I, I I know the double. I know that two times sounds crazy. Working out two times in a day, or, or sorry, training two times in a day. Working out is. Uh, in in Russian, if you say say working out, that's like you're training for the military. Yes. Or that's like literally trying to facilitate the most possible fatigue in one session. Yeah, yeah. So training is different, but we, that's a different discussion. Uh, I'm just gonna uh, say, I'm real quick. I'm gonna plug your latest YouTube video, the white uh, the white moment. White moment. Yeah. Go watch yeah. that freaking video. I've watched it like two or three times now. Um, you talk about the training versus working out stuff in there. A yeah. Lot, you know, like. If you're listening to this, go check that out. That was a really good video. Uh, I think it was your most recent one, correct? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. Thanks. Anyways, I worked hard sorry. So, so, so here's how it works. Um, I, you know, I recent or I think it was like six or seven months ago, I got my USA level two, mm-hmm. and I I just didn't want to put up the money for a, the longest time to do it. Yeah. Because I didn't feel like it was going to be that educational. Mm-hmm. But one of the guys who I really look up to, his name's Steve Galvan. Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah, God, I love Steve. I love Steve. Yeah, I mean, he he we that first time I met him was at your gym. 
Oh, yeah, that's so, right. He's there for the Tarakti right. summer. He, he was like Tarakti's liaison. It was pretty <laughs> funny. So uh, Steve was, was running it. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. It's, yeah. It was in San Antonio. Went down there, and I had a blast. Yeah. So there's this thing. It's the typical – it's the one program that they have you memorize. It's called Super Compensation. It's very basic, but Super Compensation, as you know, for sure, I mean, that's like the biggest term that – uh, Zatsiorski and Verkashansky. It's it's essentially the purpose of periodization. You build, you, or so you load, you overload, then you supercompensate, and then you perform. Yep. It's like two steps up, one step down, big step up, and then we'll see what you're made of. Pretty that much. is the basis of, of periodization. Yeah. That's as easy as it gets, right? So what I was doing was on the fifth week of supercompensation, you start doubles. So the first four weeks, you do triples, meaning like three single or sorry sorry sets of three for snatches and you could do like clean 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 jerk i don't like to do triples and clean and jerk i think that's absolutely psychotic yes agreed um but so i would just you know to clean 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 jerk would be the the, the triples so i only have eight weeks till my next comp uh my next competition so i started on week five yeah if that makes sense so i'm, I'm doing week five through week 12 yeah, yeah. okay so the first day of super compensation is three sets of two. I'm, I've, this is all on memorization. So uh, is three sets of two at 75%. So I would do three doubles of snatch at 75%. Now, instead of doing that, I would I ended up doing two doubles in the morning and two doubles at night. And so what I ended up getting was one more working set. And both sessions were fully recovered. Right. So that doesn't seem like much. Okay. Well, then we go on to the loading phase, which is 80%. And now we're supposed to be doing four doubles at 80%. Well, what I did was three in the morning and three at night. So then I ended up getting two extra working sets and they're both fully recovered. Right. So then I, I and then I deload or what's called super compensate. Yeah. And then after that, I do my performance week, which is, you know, three sets of two. And then I only do one session. I'm not I'm not going to do double session on the performance week because I want to see what I'm made of. That's kind of the point of that fourth week. I yeah. like to test people every four weeks. Right. I like to push every four weeks because that's the point of it. Mm-hmm. So so then I bring it down to one session and I'll do three or four sets of two at 80, 80 to 80 plus percent. If you're if I'm feeling hot, I'll go for a double that day. I'll see you know what I mean. I'll go yeah, for yeah. that double PR. And so. What I have found, Tom, is that that is actually easier for me to do than one single session. I'm not just doing double sessions just to kill myself. It allows – two sessions allows for you to uh, add more volume over time. And you're the one who told me – you know, Glenn told you it's all about working in 80 to 90 percent because below 80 percent – you're you're not getting the stimulus of weightlifting, right. and above ninety percent, well, good luck putting on more volume. Exactly, you know so what like, I mean? that's what, that's what I joke around all the time. I get asked by either my lifters or you or anybody, they'll be like, "Well, you know, how was it training two times, you know, a day or, or whatever?" And we only did the three double sessions a week or during the week and all that, and it was fine. Like when we did it with Glenn, because and this isn't a knock on any of the other coaches. So before people start going, "Oh, Tom said this about you." Um, Glenn was programming at the start for me. Um, he did, you know, went up from Cal Strengths when we first moved to MDOSA. And then they brought Don McCauley on to help with technique and stuff like that. And Glenn suffered a stroke, Don took over, et cetera. Um, and Don, like Don admitted, like he just wasn't sure how to program double sessions. Um, and so what he would do is he would just take a workout and just split the workup. Um, and it was like, you know, like if, if we had, you know, heavy lifts and then and, and the same day, he would take like one main lift, put it in the morning session, one main lift, put it in the afternoon yeah. session. And it just, that was where I started to break down. Like I was getting broken down to begin with, with the way, you know, I put on a ton of, uh-huh. I put on a ton of weight way too fast. Um, we were pushing to max all the time. Um, mostly the afternoon sessions we were pushing. Um, we would squat heavy and do lighter lifts in the mornings. And then, you know, we hardly ever did pulls and stuff like that to balance out, you know, the posterior anterior chain, stuff like that. And then we'd come in in the afternoon and it was like, all right, time to go. Like, you know, nut up or shut up kind of a deal. And the problem was, is people think that that's all we did was train. Like I had other jobs on the side that I was doing and all that. So like the recovery wasn't a hundred percent. So in one respect, the doubles worked because I, I, yeah. I got to, I got to 150, 200 real fast, um, faster than most people would in their time. Like I was at a little over a year, I think, when I clean and jerk 200, 
and I was right at about a year when I snatched 150. Um, so like that, that's, that's a crazy progress in the short amount of time I was, you know, training and, but I didn't get much better after that. Like I got good in some variation lifts. Like I, I, I cleaned 210 off the blocks. Um, I think I jerked 210 at one point or 212 or something like that. I might've snatched 155 off the low block or something like that, but it was never, it never translated to the floor. So yeah. it was just one of those things. Like by the time like Don took over doing the doubles, I always just say, I'm like, I will never do doubles again. Like it just, it's kind of that whole, you know, PTSD type feeling. Like I just, every time yeah. I, I think of people doing doubles, I just think about my joints just always hurting. And if I were to do it, like, and I've said this numerous times, I, I have athletes who'll be like, well, if I were to do double sessions, like, how would you do it? I'm like, first off, you can't do anything else. Like that needs to be like, primarily that is your job. And seeing to it that you're, that's not going to be your job. You're still going to be working. You're still going to be doing all this other stuff. Like one time a day is absolutely fine. But yeah, I, I, I've watched some of your videos and what you're doing and stuff like that. And you seem to have, you have a good head about it. Like you're not, yeah, you're not I'm, just Bulgarian at each session. <laughs> I'm incredibly cerebral about this whole process because I've never done it before. Yeah. But I also, I, I will put a, a, a big, you know, warning before this, like, don't do this unless you have the time. Right. Don't do this unless you know you can recover. Yeah. I know that I can recover. I know that I have the time. But, you know, the the example that I had where I, I split up, you know, instead of doing three sets of two, I'll do two sets of two and two sets of two, getting one more working set but having full recovery in between both. Now, that's one example. But what I could do is I could put a Monday morning session, do two sets of two, and then I could do snatches two days later and do two sets of two. Right. Either way, I'm getting one more working set in the week, and then that means four more working sets yep. in the month, yep. and that means, you know, uh, what, 12 more working sets over the course of an entire macro, which makes a massive difference. Yeah. Now, that is something that only uh, crazy people have access to. Right, right. <laughs> if, you, if you want to be competitive in on a scale uh, – if you want to push your body to to adaptation, I think that to its absolute max, um, I think that multiple sessions per day is probably a necessary thing, and it doesn't always mean the smart thing. Right. Like, like it's not the healthy thing for sure. No, um, no. But, you know, no one who has ever been a champion has ever been healthy. No, God, no. If it, yeah, so you'd never feel 100%. You can quote that one. I will. You know what I mean? Like, like, no, it's, it's, no one who has ever been a champion has ever been healthy. Yeah, That's factual beyond all reason. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, so so that, that's kind of my, my focus right now on my own personal training. Yeah. Um, and I feel... I feel unbreakable right now. Hey, that, that's um, all that and matters. It's, and I don't even care if I injure myself, I tear my goddamn ACL. I don't care. Yeah. Because right now, mentally, I am unshakable. And, and it's... You know what, that's... This is a feeling that I have... Ne Tom, I swear, this is a feeling that that when I graduated college, I you know, I, whether it was depression or anxiety, like, I felt horrible. Yeah. Um, I have this mental feeling right now that's so great. Mm -hmm. And I'm really just trying to hone in on it. Yeah, absolutely. No, um, I mean, that's... I Yeah, I get that 100%. I mean, I was the same way... Between, from, I, I made the mistake of, you know, once I was done at MDUSA, I was like, well, I'm doing this to prove you wrong. And then I did a grid thing, and they're like, well, if you don't want to make a grid team because you don't know how to do rope climbs. And I'm like, well, fuck you. I'm going to do this. And I just went into one thing after the other after the other, and it just kept digging that. It was like quicksand. It just, no matter how much more I kept fighting, the, the deeper and the further I sunk. And it took a lot of time to kind of bounce back. And I'm in that state now. Um, working with Jack and everything that I'm doing with him and, you know, just being a little bit more in control of what I do and when I do it, I have the same mentality. Like there is yeah. no, there's not a day that I go, whether it's throwing or, you know, uh, um, working on something I, for the business or whatever, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm getting this done today. Like the things are getting done and it's a great mental state to be in because there's literally not a whole heck of a lot that is going to, you know, knock you off your pedestal. Like it's just so Tom, I have the same sim similar PTSD from Vermont. Yeah. So I like I'll t I'll tell you right now, and this is gonna sound crazy. Yeah. Like I'll finish, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll wake up in the morning, and I will get stressed out about not knowing what to do before training because I want to get training so bad. Yeah. Like, and that's a feeling that like if you were to ask someone who grew up weightlifting, 
you have to force them into the gym. Yeah. This is for some people, right? Whereas I am like, even right now, like I'm thinking about training, I'm getting excited. Right. And I already yeah. trained this morning. Yeah, exactly. Right? Now that's a feeling that I never had at the best sport that I did. Yeah. I was fantastic at lacrosse and I never once said, I cannot wait yeah. to for practice, like it, right? It, yeah, it drives me nuts because like I train early in the morning. Like I get up about, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning go to the gym, get my stuff done. Cause it's my time. Like you talked about in your, your white, you know, the white moment video, like you just, you have your time. Nobody bothers me. Nobody texts me. Like I get it done. And it yep. drives me nuts sitting in the gym with the lifters, watching them all go after it. I'm like, <laughs> where are my dang shoes? Like, and I literally sometimes have to just sit down because I'm like, if I keep walking around, like I'm going to grab somebody's bar and try to lift it. And well, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just, it's, you know, what I'm trying to say, though, is like is doing, you know, you, you put it perfectly like your motivation to do something was to prove others wrong. Yeah. And that's a very, very powerful thing. Yep. But it doesn't play out. Well, yeah, it doesn't quite play out. Once you prove it's, them wrong, you're like, OK, what next? What next? Yeah. And, and maybe you never do prove them wrong. And that's like the shitty thing. Like, yeah. like I that motivation is so powerful. Mm -hmm. But, you know when you start doing things for others yeah. and you start like you, you realize like that is the truest of true motivations. Right. I, I have a Patreon page and people literally give me a dollar of their hard earned money per month um, to watch my YouTube videos. That's awesome. So, so now like, it's not that they're dependent on it, but to me it says they're like, I value what you do so much that I'm going to give you some of my money. They're invested so, in and, what you're doing. Yeah, like they and see I'm the like, value. Yeah. Hell yeah. I can't wait to make the next movie. That's awesome. It's not like I'm doing this YouTube thing so I can prove all the haters wrong. Right, right. Like that's just, it'll work for a while. Like that, proving that your haters wrong or, or whatever that nonsense is that will work yeah. that's the thing it it works but it doesn't play out it, do, it doesn't play out long term yeah and what uh, you're doing tom working at strength agenda that shit plays out long oh God, term yeah. so there's not a, and, there's and, not a day honestly like i i used to hate that stupid i still call it stupid but the whole like you know love what you do and you don't work a day in your life like i used to hate that phrase but like there were days you know when i coach at the crossfit where i'm like i really don't want to go in today and, but that, that has yet, I mean, we're, it's, it's only been two years, so, you know, hold my horses a little bit, yeah. but like there has yet to be a day where I walk into the gym and I'm like, Oh, I don't <laughs> want to be here. Like every day I'm like, <laughs> what is going to happen today? I'm just, I'm just thinking of like, you know how like things are super cliche yes. and it's like to the, to the point where you're like, Oh, come on, please. Yes. Like, like live, laugh, love. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, if you like, if you can't respect love me at my worst that oh you don't God, deserve yeah, me at my best yeah. all these crappy cliches that i absolutely agree with now yes oh absolutely <laughs> like like if you love what you do and you don't work a day in your life like oh shut up yeah. but like now like now yep. that i'm 27 years old like i couldn't agree yeah, more absolutely. with that and it's, it's really it's funny because like when i was in that mentality of proving people wrong that's when i was like shut up that's stupid you shut up right now like that's not accurate yeah, at all. work isn't fun yeah, work is work yeah exactly yeah. and now i'm just like Nick. you're not grinding hard yeah, enough i want to go back to you know 25 year old tom and be like hey buddy like take a chill pill yeah, slow it down big yeah, guy you're, you're fine <laughs> But, uh, yeah. all right, so we're going to go into the lightning round. We're going to have some fun here. We're going to take a quick yeah. break and uh, uh, get some words from our sponsors. Hey, are you a weightlifter? Do you pull heavy? Are there days where your grip just isn't cooperating and you need some extra help holding on to that bar? Well, besides building a stronger grip, I've become a huge fan of Onyx straps. Last year before I left for the World Cup for Moss Wrestling in Hungary, Danny, the owner, reached out and asked if I would like to try a few pairs of his new straps out, and of course I said sure. In the gym, we have a box of straps that are open to anybody to use, it, to use if they forget their straps, so I just grabbed a couple pairs when they came in the mail, and I threw them right on top of the box with the rest of them. By the end of the week, I was noticing that the lifters were searching out who had a pair of the Onyx straps and were sitting on the bench waiting for them to be free so they could use them to do their pulls. Now, annoying as this is for a coach, if, if I was the guy that actually made these straps, I'd be proud as hell of the product. If athletes are waiting in line to use them, you must be doing something right. Danny created Onyx out of a love for his work of leather. He combined that with his passion for weightlifting and that resulted in a great quality product for the community. On top of that, anytime I have questions, he's quick to respond and is really detailed in his answers. 
He's not relying on spokespeople to push his product, but instead letting the product do the talking for him. These straps are made with genuine leather, not some cheap hybrid material, and it can be made in various thicknesses, lengths, and styles. They also have some cool color option combos out there too. So if you're at any of the national events for USA Weightlifting, chances are Danny is there and he's got a booth and you can talk to him and grab a pair for yourself. Otherwise, head on over to www.onyxstraps.com and get yourself a pair. All right, lightning round time. So you ready for this? Um, yeah, let's go. You're gonna have, I know you're going to give me some good answers on this. So just a okay. bunch of questions that have nothing to do with anything. And then we'll do some plug time at the end. So first question up, if you're a WWE wrestler, what is your name? What is your walkout? You know, what is your, what is your walkout song? What is your like catchphrase? Uh, Gangle Monster is my is my name. Nice. Okay. You're going like 90. walkout song. Walkout song is War Pigs. There you go. And, and what's my catchphrase? Uh, no excuses, just improve. Oh, that's good. That's good. You're going with the like the more of the '90s gimmick. I can I can deal with that. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this day and age WWE is, tries to be too real. They need more of like the '90s gimmicks, uh, just the, the 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 personas that are not an actual person. So I think you. I mean, breath- Macho Man Randy Savage. If you watch some of his oh stuff right now, go on YouTube, people, and pull up Macho Randy Macho Man Randy Savage interviews, and then go lift. Cream of the crop. Okay, next. Let's go. All I'm right. ready. If you were to be any color in a Crayola box of crayons. What color are you going to be and why? Macaroni. Macaroni. That's a, that was a color? Yeah. <laughs> it's a type of orange. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I loved that color growing yeah. up. I loved it. Yeah. Right. I, thought it was, I thought it was so cool to have a color named Macaroni. That is actually pretty. I didn't really even realize it was a color. Like when I was a kid, like I had the 28 box and now somebody told me there's like a hundred and. Oh dude. Like 30, yeah. Like, come on, man. I, I had, Get that 28 box out of I, here. I got my 64 I had, box. I had the 28 when I was in grade school. All right. Um, if you walk up to one person in the entire world, you know, in all of humanity, no repercussions at all, and you get to kick them square in the shin, who's it going to be and why? God. Um... <laughs> this one always stumps people because people are like, I don't want to be mean. I'm like, no, that this is your chance to be mean. Yeah, I mean. And no repercussions. Like, uh, it's it... Hitler. Hitler. That's a good Hitler. one. Yeah, yeah. Most people yeah. are they, they, straight they up. Think too much about it. Like, I, yeah, that would that would be a good one for me. I mean, like, the dude deserves to get a lot more than just kicked in the shin. Yeah. But yeah, if I can, if I get a nice steel toe boot, just yeah. slam that dude. Probably break his tib fib. I'd be good. Yeah, that, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that one. There. Okay, <laughs> one state in the entire. I'm gonna give you two more questions. We're gonna do some bonus questions here. Um, it, it, you're looking at a map of the United States, and each state's got like a little button on it. You push that button, and the state disappears forever. What state are you getting? <laughs> what state are you getting rid of? Uh, oh man, I have love hate relationships with states, but I'm gonna go ahead and uh, oh god, uh, what's a state that I really dislike? Because I know there, I know there is one. I would say uh, Ohio. <laughs> You're, you're the, you're the first, I, I love hate relationship with yeah, Ohio. You're, you're so. the first person to say Ohio, so I'll give you that one. Just, just get out of here, Ohio. Yeah. You got nothing. Yeah. You got Cleveland. <laughs> like, come on now. Brought that nonsense to our to our to our front. No, I, I always drove back from Vermont. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was in Ohio forever. Yeah. And I was like, get this state out. Yeah, of here. yeah. That was that. That's yeah. how I feel about Oklahoma. Like personally, Oklahoma never just, did anything for me or to me. <laughs> But driving through Oklahoma, I was just like, what is there to offer from this state? Like, yeah. there's just So for all you Ohioans out there, it's just because I drove through your miserable state and I just want to get rid Indiana's of it. Indiana's like that for me too, driving back and forth from Charlotte. Indiana is probably the most boring state. And then it gets creepy right around uh, Indianapolis because they got all the, the, the windmills at night when they're just glowing red. It's just a sea of red eyes up in the sky. Makes you makes you feel like people are watching you. All right, last question. You're sitting at a bar, okay? Maybe you're drinking your pint of Guinness with uh, Clarence yep. or anything like that. A penguin in a sombrero comes walking into the bar, kind of like the old saloon swing doors. Walks right through, yep. turns around, you and him make eye contact. What does he say to you? Uh, he says, like, he says, uh, 
Hola. <laughs> like a very he just, he, he like knows, stereotypical Mexican like yeah. bandito. There you like, go. He knows. He knows. Uh, what, he knows you're down to party. What is like? Uh, is it Hermano? Is that brother? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's like hola, Hermano. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, plug time. What do you got for me? Uh, we'll add this into our show notes at the bottom so people can find you and stuff like that. But when yeah. they want to know more about you, they want to follow your adventures and all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, what do you got for them? Find me on YouTube, uh, youtube.com. You can just search Zach, Zach Tellender, Z-A-C-K-T-E-L-A-N-D-E-R. Uh, I'm doing seminars. So if you're interested in hosting a seminar or you just want to know a little bit more about it, email me at coachzachtellender at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram, coach underscore ZT. What else? I got a Patreon account. So if you're interested in programming, uh, all you got to do is put in a dollar a month and you get programming from me. And that's cool. That cool. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. All right, man. That's my plug. Well, this was this is great. I really enjoyed this. I uh, hope you did as well. Um, yeah, thanks for being on. That's really all I got. I can't really say much more than that. Find him. Uh, his YouTube channel is phenomenal. Um, it's in my queue of wrestling videos that I'm always watching, but you know, I squeeze one of Zach's videos right in there at the top of the queue, and I'll watch it when I'm eating my breakfast. I'm glad place. I could fit in you the queue. Fit in the queue, buddy. All right, but uh, thank you very much. Good luck in everything that you are doing. Um, obviously, next time you're in Chicago, we will hang out again. But you know, until next time, you know, everybody, take care. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys at the gym. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.